Hello and welcome to Jill Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman alongside Jill Johnson. He's the CEO of Johnson Brunetti and a certified financial planner. Johnson Brunetti is the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. You've seen Joel published in Forbes and the Hartford Business Journal. He's the host of Better Money on WFSB Channel 3 on the Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sunlin. He's served before as an analyst for Fox, Connecticut, NBC 30 and WTNH Channel 8. He's authored six of his own books including most famously The Money Map. Wendy is his wife. His boys are Brandon, Michael, Joel, and Noah. What's happening? How are you? Great. I'm doing great. I'm excited about some of the questions that we have from our listeners that we're going to get to uh, in the second part of the program. So, folks, tune in and listen to that. We've got some very interesting questions, some of them about politics and what we should do with our money based on the current political environment. Lots of fun mailbag questions. We'll get to those in a bit. First, Joel, I wanted to do a quick history lesson here. So it was around this time, 146 years ago, if you remember, uh, September 20th of 1873, We were in the panic of 1873. The New York Stock Exchange was forced to close for the first time in its history. There was a banking crisis going on. Now, obviously, it's been shut down dozens of other times since then for things like funerals of notable figures. I think it shut down on MLK's funeral day and most presidents it shuts down for, you know, extreme weather, stuff like that. But pretty interesting. It was 146 years ago that it shut down for the first time. Always kind of makes people uncomfortable when it shuts down for something, especially something not planned. It's one thing if it's a world leader's funeral, but if there's a technology glitch and it shuts down for even a few hours, who boy, people get uncomfortable quick. Well, and you know, we recently recognized 9-11 which, of course, was 18 years ago now. But, uh, you know, I remember it shut down for a few days there, and boy, did that ever, you know, not only did the event rock and trouble the financial world, but the fact that you could not sell or buy securities um, and the danger there is people that own, you know, these big pension funds and mutual fund managers and private money managers that own massive amounts of securities. um, One of the comforting things about a financial market is you can always find a buyer or a seller. And in this case, you couldn't. You couldn't trade a stock. And so um, these unplanned shutdowns of the exchange or even the limit down where the market closes for a little while because the uh, market has gone down too much in a short period of time, those are very unsettling for traders. It's interesting that you mentioned the financial panic of 1873. There's an excellent book out there I read about a year or two ago about the financial panic of 19, it was either 1907 or 1909, but right around that time. And when I was reading it, I couldn't help but thinking this sounds exactly like what everybody felt like in 2008 when we were going through our most recent financial crisis. And there's a tendency we're in the midst of trouble to feel like this is the only time in history we've been in this situation. Everything's going to fail. Things are different this time. And in reality, when you look back at history, many, many times in our country's history have we been in situations where from a financial standpoint, we've had challenges and we've always gotten through them. And maybe we can even apply that to the current political environment that's so divisive. I'm not sure it's the worst it's ever been. Certainly the worst it's ever been in my lifetime, but um, I'll bet if we look back and we did a full investigation, we find out that time and time again, um, our country went through crises, got through it, and the financial markets still work if somebody is allocated and planning properly and not taking too much risk. Yeah, somebody was trying to tell me the other day that our 
divisiveness in this country is the worst that it's ever been in history. I said, no, I'm pretty sure that when the southern half of the country seceded from the Union, that's the most divided we've ever been. I'm no I historian. Would with that. But just yeah, saying. I would agree with that. So let's talk about business owners, Joel, because so many business owners right now are having the best years in their business that they've ever had. And so it's a great time for business owners to be thinking about retirement planning. But it's funny, you know, so often we see business owners that are so focused on running their business, they haven't done a great job of planning for retirement. And quite frankly, they often fall victim to a lot of misconceptions about their retirement. So let's run through some of those real quick. One of those is just this concept of, well, if I just execute my business plan, inevitably my retirement is going to be taken care of as well. Well, and that's not the case. You know, there used to be uh, this wonderful typewriter company in Hartford called the Royal Typewriter Company, and they were doing great, making a ton of money, massive profits for the owners, and then somebody came along and invented the uh, the keyboard, and they were done uh, within a matter of a few years. So, uh, you know, and as odd as that sounds, time and time again in our history, speaking again about history, companies in certain industries, those industries just at some point become obsolete. So it's really important as a business owner to have money somewhere else other than your business. It is a fact that a successful business owner makes more money in their business than they probably can anywhere else as long as that business continues to be successful. But I am a business owner here at Johnson Brunetti, and I would be foolish if I didn't have a significant amount of money saved outside the business. Where to save it? That's a whole different discussion that we can have. But it's really important that your financial future is separated from the business, that you've got money set aside. Yes, you will probably continue to make more money in the business than you can anywhere else, but it's important to have money elsewhere so that you have a buffer or maybe even you have a retirement income that's not dependent on the business. Then all the wealth the business has created or the building that you've bought inside the business is extra money. A lot of people would say, well, you know, I don't necessarily have a lot of liquid assets. I don't have investable assets or not a lot of money in the bank, but my net worth is really high when you factor in the value of the business. So, eh, you know, net worth is high. I'll be fine. Well, and most business owners are very disappointed to find out their business is worth less than they think. Um, If you're not a publicly traded company, you know, if you're a publicly traded company, meaning your shares, uh, the shares of your company trade on a, a stock exchange somewhere, Um, Now we know exactly what the value is at any given minute, at any given second, we know exactly what the value of the business is because it trades on an exchange. There's a buyer and a seller and they set the value. But a private business, it's not that case. And many times when a business owner is going to sell their business, all they're doing is selling the next five or seven years of earnings. They're just taking some money up front for what they would have earned anyway, could they continue in the business. So to count on that Again, a little bit like what we mentioned earlier, to count on that business being all of your net worth is really problematic. I mean, many owners fail to factor in their own daily contributions to the business. So if an owner sells the business and expects to step back, the business might not be worth nearly as much. So there's all these things. Like think of a doctor's practice that has one doctor and maybe 10 employees, but there's one doctor. That practice is not worth the same amount with that doctor in the practice than if that doctor just sells the practice. Yes, there's a list of clients, there's a list of customers and so on, but it is not worth as much without the doctor in the practice. We also have a lot of people, Joel, who say, well, you know, it's a family business. My family is going to take over the business. I know they'll run it well and take care of me. Well, and and I think everybody out there, almost, almost everybody out there hears how a business struggles to pass down 
uh, just two generations from the founder. So typically what we see is there's the founder. The founder passes the business on to generation number two. That generation seems, in most cases, to be able to keep that business going. But by the time the business gets passed to generation three, the failure rate is massive. And I don't, I don't have the exact number uh, here, but I believe... Um, I read that it was 85 or 90 percent of businesses do not pass th- uh, two generations away from the founder. And so it's a real challenge. You can't count on your family being able to run your business and pay you income. And I know there are exceptions to this. And sometimes the smaller the business, the more exceptions we might have. You know, if you have a business with 400 employees, it might be really dependent on the owner. It, j- it just depends. It could go one way or the other. But again, the key here is set up some accounts outside the business so that financially, you know, you're running this business, you have this massive cash flow, you have a business checkbook, use that business checkbook to set aside money outside your business somewhere so that if the business fails, you've got money to provide an income. If the business doesn't fail, it's just extra money. You can do all kinds of neat things with it, planning for children, grandchildren, charities, and so on. As a business owner, you have some advantages that an employee doesn't have. You can customize a retirement plan to either reward employees or to reward yourself for taking the risk of building the business, where you can set aside money on a very tax-favored basis. Um, There are different benefits that you can provide for you and your family, leveraging the business to do that. There's just there's so many different things that you can do because you have control of the business to customize benefits to either favor your family or maybe to favor your employees or certain key employees. So it's important to have a discussion with somebody that's an expert in that area. You mentioned that we have a lot of good questions in the mailbag today. So let's jump into at least one of those here. We'll maybe do a couple more later. Uh, we'll start today with Greg, who says, my company is offering the option of a lump sum pension buyout or we can just keep the monthly pension throughout retirement if we want. I've asked about 10 people around the office which option they'll choose, and it seems that exactly half want to buy out and half want to keep the pension. So groupthink on this decision didn't help me very much. What do you think? Well, I think you ought to stop taking an opinion poll, Greg, about <laughs> what people around the office are saying. I mean, that's not going to do you any good. First of all, everybody's situation is different, Greg. And so they're not in your shoes. And second of all, the problem is people give an opinion without even realizing the advice they're giving. And you don't know how much research they've done. Um, This is a big decision. Deciding whether to take your pension in a lump sum that's being offered or continue to take or, you know, set up a time in the future where you're going to take monthly checks. And so many giant companies in the Boston and the Hartford area and Massachusetts and Connecticut are giving people this option because they don't want to be on the hooks. The corporations do not want to be on the hook for somebody living longer than they expected. So even big giant companies like down here, United Technologies, who used to say, uh, you know, you have to take a monthly payout, they're now offering a lump sum payout on their pension benefits. I wrote a book called The Lump Sum Pension Payment Decision, and it's the seven things that you need to answer, that you need to go through before you decide whether to take a lump sum or take a monthly payout. So it's really, really important, Greg, that you come in either to us or somebody else if you already have a relationship, but you know, you want to get with a retirement expert, not just somebody that's you know selling investments, and make sure that you look at the pros and cons of either taking a lump sum or taking a monthly check. The advantage of taking a monthly check is it's consistent, it's guaranteed, it kind of protects you if you're not very good with money because you know you're getting a check every month. The lump sum allows you to control the assets, to pass it on to someone else, to vary your income, take more money one month and then less money the next month. And so lump sum gives you a tremendous amount of control and flexibility, but you also bear some amount of investment risk with that. 
And so, uh, and you can also take the lump sum and then go do what the corporation that you work for does anyway, where it's buy a lifetime pension in the form of a lifetime annuity. And that way, if you die too early, your heirs get something. So there's so many different combinations here. And it's important that you get good advice on that, Greg. We talked about business owners early in the program. We have a number of business owners that are clients. So give us a call. Come on in for a visit. We'll take a look at what you're doing. Um, from a tax standpoint, especially, and then we'll talk about your goals and what you're trying to accomplish, whether it's pass a business on to the next generation or not. And we'll look at tools that make it very efficient to do that in favoring you and protecting yourself from the business getting hurt, your financial future, and also rewarding the people that you want to reward. If you're facing that lump sum payment decision, do you take your pension in a lump sum or do you take the monthly payments? This is huge. So many people are are grappling with this decision right now. So give us a call. Come on in. We'll help walk you through the decision. If that's all you want to focus on in that meeting, we can help you focus on that. Many people come in. They want the whole financial plan that we talk about, which we call the Money Map Retirement Review. It's our unique process that we take people through. But if you just want to focus on that lump sum pension decision, we can do that too. So here's the number to call, 1-800-705-1232. So call now if I'm talking to you and you're a business owner or you have that lump sum pension decision or if you just want general financial help, we can do that for you. 1-800-705-1232. And when you come into the office, ask for one of our books. I'll give you a book when you come in, either the Money Map or you can have that lump sum pension decision book. Again, that number to call or text if that's easier for you. 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. No cost or obligation to come in for your own Money Map Retirement Review. You can get one of Joel's books to take with you when you come in for that visit. But again, the number to call, 800-705-1232. Just call, leave a voicemail. We'll get back to you during regular business hours. Or if you want to text, just include your first and last name. We'll get back to you that way. 800-705-1232. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel, here's a funny little story for you. I thought you'd uh, get a kick out of this. So there's a couple in Pennsylvania who's now facing felony charges because their bank, they banked with BB&T, their bank accidentally put in $120,000 into their checking account. And the couple woke up and saw all this money in their checking account. Instead of contacting the bank, they said, well, let's go spend it. So they did. They spent most of it. And then, of course, the bank went to take it back out when they realized their mistake and most of the money was gone. So they are now facing felony charges. Oh, my God. I don't know where that it, – it, it's funny and it's sad. It, it, how could they think that they were going to get away with that? I mean – do they think the bank is sooner or later going to catch that or they're just going to ignore it? That's just, it's kind of funny. When I was a kid, we lived in the uh, Bahamas for a short period of time. My mom and dad had me and my one brother, a third one hadn't been born yet. And my dad was running a bookstore down there. And down there, they had these Sinclair gas stations. And Sinclair always had this giant dinosaur. That was their symbol uh, for the gas station. They had this dinosaur um, out in front of the gas station. It was this big, it was probably, I don't know, 15, 20 feet high. Well, people would steal the dinosaur. They'd actually come in the middle of the night and they'd take the dinosaur and somehow get it into a truck, haul it back, and then they would put it in their backyard as if nobody was going to see it. But the dinosaur's head was up higher than their house. And so you'd drive down the street in the Bahamas and about every four or five blocks, you'd see one of these dinosaurs in the back of someone's yard. So that reminds me of this couple here. They didn't think anybody was going to find out. And obviously... You know, you can't just take money even if somebody makes a mistake. So um, 
that that is a funny story. I'm surprised that actually happened, but unfortunately, I can believe that happened. Yeah. So uh, be careful with dinosaurs or money in your checking account that's not yours. By the way, how did how have I known you for like eight years and didn't know that you lived in the Bahamas as a kid? I, that's I did not know that you didn't know that. Interesting news. You learned my, something. My every youngest day. brother, my youngest brother, was born in St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. Very interesting. Never could have told you that. All right. Well, let's uh, let's open up our financial dictionary, Joel, because this is a concept that applies to a lot of people, and I want you to explain what it means. So when we hear about qualified dividends, you see that on your tax return when you're doing your taxes, qualified versus non-qualified dividends. So what is a qualified dividend all about? So a qualified dividend is typically, is generally a dividend we get from holding a stock. So if I own Exxon stock, which full disclosure, I do own Exxon stock. If I own Exxon stock, I'm collecting a dividend. So if I have for every, let's say I have $100,000 worth of Exxon stock, I'm probably getting a $4,000 dividend every year. That is a qualified dividend, which simply means it qualifies for lower taxation. So I have a qualified dividend, the tax rate on receiving that dividend, or even if I reinvest, but the tax rate on that dividend is lower than ordinary income tax. Or what's a non-qualified dividend? A non-qualified dividend would be a dividend, for instance, from a government bond fund or certain types of bond funds, or they could even be um, certain types of stocks that pay non-qualified dividends. But the key is a qualified dividend, which most of us, if we have a dividend-paying portfolio are getting these qualified dividends, they have some tax advantages. They tend to be taxed at a lower rate than your ordinary income, and that's why they break it out on your 1099. When you get it at the end of the year, they will show qualified dividends and non-qualified dividends, and if you look carefully at your tax return, it'll show your total dividend income, and then one line below that is how much of that is qualified. So often with things like this, Joel, I think people, even when they see those numbers on their tax return, they never stop to think, you know, I wonder if there's a way I could be doing this differently or more efficiently, and certainly TurboTax or even H&R Block, or quite frankly, a lot of CPAs aren't even going to say, you know, you might want to think about investing a little bit differently to be more tax efficient. That's just not the advice that a lot of people get. So another reason it's important to work with somebody who knows what they're doing on all this stuff. Uh, uh, let's jump into these two more mailbag questions that we have, Joel. I want to be sure we get to these before we run out of time. Let's go to Carol, who says, I have a lot of major life changes occurring in the next six months that I think will affect how I should be invested. Should I just park my money in cash until life settles down and I know what my future will look like? That's a great question, Carol, and maybe you should. It, it really depends. Uh, anytime you're going through major life changes, and I'll just talk about not necessarily your situation, Carol, but I'll talk about what we have seen. Um, the death of a spouse, uh, a spouse getting extremely ill, maybe the client themselves, the individual themselves getting very ill, children that need help, grandchildren that need help, a forced move. Anything like that causes a lot of stress, whether we realize it or not. And sometimes that stress can get us to either be paralyzed and not make a decision or to make very impulsive decisions because we just want to kind of get the decision done with so we can focus on this crisis that's going on in our lives. There's, there's kind of a saying, don't make any big decisions right away. That many times is the right thing to do, not make any decisions. Kind of like what you're saying here, should I just park my money in cash? But a lot of times that can cost you. That can really cost you in the long run. 
And so be very careful. You know, pulling out of an investment ahead of time to park it in cash may or may not be the right thing. And also, if you've got things that you need to take care of, maybe it's paying off debt, maybe it's maximizing your 401k, uh, maybe it's protecting some of your money from the tax man or from uh, the nursing home or something like that, you really need to have a conversation about that. Time works against you when we're paralyzed with indecisiveness. So I can't really answer your question directly. I think it's great, Carol, that you're asking this question. It shows me that you realize that there are life changes in your, uh, that there are changes coming in your life that could affect your future and you want to protect yourself against your emotions. Because remember, as human beings, our emotions many times, if we make decisions, big decisions, especially money decisions based on emotion, many times we're going to be led down the wrong path. Okay, final mailbag question. Very much look forward to your answer on this one, Joel. This is from Chuck, who says, Well, congratulations, America. We still have several months to go, but it looks like there's a really good chance that we're going to end up with another presidential election, or I don't want to vote for either candidate. Do you see anyone that I should consider voting for simply because they'll be better for me financially as someone who's about to retire in a few months? Well... I'm not going to walk into that landmine, uh, that <laughs> minefield. Um, you know, Chuck, you bring up a good point. There are, there's a lot of anxiety in our country right now. Um, you know, we have a current president that's not very popular with much of the country and is very popular with certain uh, people in the country. We have candidates on the Democrat side that people aren't sure whether they're going to be good or bad. And, and obviously, we have tremendous divisiveness in our country right now, as, as we talked about earlier in the program. There are theories out there that abound about, you know, which party is better for the markets. I don't think you should pay attention to that. I think, Chuck, what you want to do is you want to develop a financial plan that's based on you retiring in a few months, like you said looking down the road and saying, what's my plan for the next 20, 25, 30, 35 years? You know, if you're 65 right now, you've got a plan for 30 years in retirement. Medical science is so good. We know so much more about nutrition and exercise than we used to. You got a plan for 30 years of retirement. So making a decision based on something that's going to happen for the next one to three years would be foolish. You've got to look at it in the context of 30 years. So with that said, come up with the right financial plan. Make sure you feel good about it, that you have confidence in it, that you can see it through when it seems like everybody's talking about how bad the country is and the bad shape that we're in, and it'll create peace of mind and confidence going forward. So uh, once again, Chuck, good question. Question we're going to get asked a lot, certainly over the next few months. What should I do based on the election coming up? Um, I would come up with a good financial plan and stick with it. We have been here in this country before. Anybody that thinks otherwise, I think, has got a very narrow view of history. So come up with a plan, serve yourself, Chuck, and enjoy that retirement. You get to retire once in your life. And if we can help you with that, that's great. So, Chuck, anybody else, give us a call. We want to help you. We have a unique process called the Money Map Retirement Review. We'll analyze the risk you're taking in your account. And that might mean even if you're sitting in cash, how much risk are you taking? Because it is a risk to be in cash. Are you retiring in the next few years? Have you already retired and you want to make sure that you're not banking on the stock market too much? You should feel good about where your income is going to come from. We can do an income analysis for you to make sure you're going to be okay. Most of our clients just want to know if they're going to be okay. So we would love to sit down with you and let you know that, number one, 
you might be okay. Or the alternative to that, number two is, hey, you need to make some changes just to make sure you and your family are in a great financial position to enjoy retirement. So call us now. Again, we call the process the Money Map Retirement Review. You can go on our website and see how the Money Map Retirement Review works, or you can just give us a call. We'd love to sit down with you. And uh, we'll make this available for the next, um, oh, I don't know, for the next 15 minutes or so. If you call in the next 15 minutes, you get a complimentary sit-down um, with one of the financial advisors here. We're backed by certified financial planners. We do a great job for you. We're dedicated to doing the job for you so that you have confidence in what lies ahead for you financially. We want to make sure you're going to be okay and that you know you're going to be okay. So give us a call. My goal is for you to leave here feeling better than when you came in. And for most people, that's definitely the case. So call 1-800-705-1232. Set up a time to come on in and visit. That's 1-800-705-1232. You can call or text that number, whichever you prefer. Just let us know your first and last name. Either way, 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. No cost or obligation for your own Money Map Retirement Review. Call or text right now while it's on your mind. 800-705-1232. That's all we have time for on today's program. Thanks so much for tuning in. For Joel Johnson and everybody at Johnson Brunetti, I'm John Stillman. We'll talk with you next week right here on Money Wisdom. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program.